Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. We're going to talk today. The time is now. Be born again. Reading out the New Living Translation, verse 1 says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Nicodemus exclaimed. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, verse 5, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and uh, the Spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Can you say amen? So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Verse 10, Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Everyone, Jew, Gentile, bond free. Male or female, everyone that believes in him may have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Can you say amen? For this is how God loved the world he gave. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. 
God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light because their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Coming to the light. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would take this familiar passage And, Lord, make it new to us. Open our hearts to receive. And, Lord, we approach your word with an anticipation for the the Holy Spirit to speak to us, for the Holy Spirit to draw us. We want to be transformed by your word. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Our passage is a powerful conversation between Jesus and a well-known and trained theologian of his day. And as we look at the passage, it's important to keep in mind John's purpose for writing his gospel. If you fast forward to the end of his gospel in chapter 20, and you look in verse 30, it begins to tell us why John wrote his gospel. In verse 30, it says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So John gives in his gospel about seven miraculous Signs And these signs are, are that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. His gospel is written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And this gospel is written so that by believing, you may have life in his name. However, in John's gospel, when this word belief, believing, is used or mentioned, it's more than just intellectual assent. It's more than just a word. It's more than just saying, Lord, Lord. No, it's believing by coming to the light, by embracing and being all who God's called you to be. It's by embracing Jesus, the Son of the living God, his teaching, his life, becoming your life and your way of life. If you go back to chapter 2, chapter 2 of John's gospel concludes with these words. And because of these miraculous signs that Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them. Now notice the signs led them to believe, uh, but we know just a few days later what happened. They turned against him. 
So this belief that, God, that John is talking about in this gospel is a belief that will transform your life, a belief that will totally radically change you. And this conversation with Nicodemus is evidence of how Jesus means for us to have more than just an intellectual assent as to who he is, but to be born again by the Spirit of the living God. A radical transformation that will help you change your community, that will help you change your world, that you then become ministers of reconciliation. That's what being a child of God is all about. Kenneth Gangle in his commentary writes this, John opens with what appears to be a deliberate contrast between the inadequate faith of those described at the end of chapter 2 and the righteous heart of Nicodemus, a Pharisee, ready to believe. His name, Nicodemus, means conqueror of the people. But on this night, he would be conquered by the power of the Christ. And today, my hope is this, is that your life and my life will be conquered by the power of the Christ. Not only today, but tomorrow, next week, next year. Because when Christ conquers your life, he then begins to live through you. And then you become the hands and the feet of Christ. Notice in your notes, the first thing I want to talk about is the time is now to seek him. Now, chapter 3 opens up with the name of a man... And he's called Nicodemus. And John tells us that after dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. And he says, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, John gives us some information concerning Nicodemus. He was a Jewish leader. Other words, he was a part of the Sanhedrin, religious leaders of the day. They were made up of Pharisees and Sadducees and a few other sects. And they, they sat on a board, if you would, about 120 of them. And they made decisions concerning Judaism. They made decisions concerning temple worship and, and, and people coming uh, and worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what we know by this, he was a man of authority. He was also a man of the scriptures, a man of great influence, highly educated for his day, and he was probably of great considerable financial means. Now, John says he was a Pharisee. Some things that I want you to be aware concerning Pharisees, because sometimes we hear that word and we get a, a negative connotation. But listen, the Pharisees was a strict religious uh, part of the Jewish religion. And these men advocated minute obedience to Jewish law and traditions. They were very influential in synagogue worship. They paid great respect or had great respect for the law. They had a belief in the resurrection of the dead. And they were committed to obeying God's will. That sounds great, amen, being committed to doing what God wants you to do. 
Now, the Pharisees separated themselves from anything non-Jewish and carefully followed both the, the Old Testament law and the oral traditions. Nicodemus checked off all the boxes of being a righteous man, being a man who loved God's law, who sought to do God's will above everything else. And as a Pharisee, Nicodemus' entire religious hope rested upon his lineage, being able to identify that he was a direct descendant from Abraham. For the Pharisees, it was important to them because they were pure, true followers of Jehovah because they could trace their genealogy all the way back to Abraham. The lesson taught through the encounter with Nicodemus was this, the necessity of spiritual regeneration, of being changed, rebirth, of being born again. For the individual who possessed God's life, as opposed to the teaching of the Pharisees who emphasized natural generation through Abraham. See, they, they rested in the false hope We're okay with God. He accepts us because we were born into the right family. A favored saying of the Pharisee would be, we are children of Abraham, implying this guaranteed them entrance into God's kingdom. No wonder John the Baptist had such harsh words as he's preaching and crowds began to follow him and he's baptizing people for the repentance and remission of sins. And he sees some some Pharisees and religious leaders coming to him and he says, and he calls them snakes. He says, you viewed of of vipers. Who's told you to flee from the coming judgment that is to come? And he says, the ax is now laid at the root of the tree. Bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. Other words, it's not your strict moral obligation and obedience to these things that's going to make you acceptable. It's a changed heart. It's a changed life. And the word tells us that Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. He came to Jesus. Let this thought, this saying sink deep into your spirit. He came to Jesus. Whatever you're doing, make sure you come to Jesus. Whatever you're facing today, make sure you come to Jesus. Whatever you're walking through, make sure you come to Jesus. You at home watching, make sure you come uh, to Jesus. Now, John tells us it was after dark one evening that Nicodemus came. Now, some believe he came at night because he did not want anyone else to see him. But most likely he came at night so he could have uninterrupted time with Jesus. And he came with questions. He came seeking. He came with an open heart. See, a lot of times our challenge is this. We approach the word of God with our own conclusions before we even read the word. We don't allow God to really change us. We just reinforce the behavior that we've always had because we're not coming to the word with the openness. 
And what I love about this story of Nicodemus is he came with the openness. He came with the open heart to hear what Jesus had to say. Make it a point to seek Jesus. Make it a point to seek him out. Now is the time. Now notice how he addresses Jesus. He says, Rabbi. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. It's important, and John brings this out, that Nicodemus, who was an important man of his day, who was a part of the religious elite, if you would, who was sitting on a a council that oversaw religious matters in the Roman world and in Jerusalem, and he comes to Jesus And he says, Rabbi, immediately he puts himself as a student. He puts himself in a position to learn. And I think this is important for you and I to make sure that when we come to Jesus in 2022, you may have been saved for 50 years. You may have been in the house of God most or all of your life. And what a great pedigree. What a great, what a great example. Maybe you, maybe you were raised, maybe you're like me, your fourth generation Christian. And that's a wonderful thing. And I'm thankful for that. But may we approach God today. May we approach Jesus today as a student and as one who wants to hear what he has to say and as a student of the word. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, work in my life. Jesus immediately addresses the true matter, which brings us to our second point. The time is now to be born again. Jesus gets right to the point, right to the heart of the matter. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know you're sent from God. We know you're anointed. We know these signs say say that God has sent you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. The New Kings, the Old English puts it this way, verily, verily, I say unto you. Other words, it's like he's saying, hey, look at me right here. I want you to pay attention, Nicodemus. Because what I'm about to tell you is going to change your life. It's that moment when Jesus gets serious with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is talking about a bunch of other things, and Jesus goes to the heart of the matter. Don't you love how the Holy Spirit does that? Hey, Gary, Gary, pay attention. Hey, John, hey, pay attention. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart. And listen, listen to what Jesus said. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God for the Jew and first century believer would be the messianic age, the rule of God. It would be abundance and life of the spirit of God giving his people a heart after him. The fullness of God among them. It is the now and the not yet tension that the kingdom of God is now, but not yet. Because one day we shall reign with Christ. And Jesus declares to see or to enter the kingdom, you must be born again. Now we've heard this so often that we just kind of slide through these verses. But know the context. He's talking to a Pharisee, to one who 
sits on the Sanhedrin. One who's made it his business to obey the law in its most strictest form. One who keeps the Sabbath, doesn't break the law of God intentionally. And is careful to live his life fulfilling God's will. And to that man, Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, by all outward appearance, Nicodemus was already transformed unto God. And if Nicodemus must be born again, what about you and what about me? If this man who lived this life in dedication to the law, in dedication to, to trying to do the will of God, and Jesus looks at him and says, listen, those things will not get you there. You must be born again. Wow. See, the teaching of Jesus is radical. The teaching of Jesus is more than an intellectual assent to a set of rules and beliefs. It's a lifestyle. Jesus has come to conquer your heart. Nicodemus, his name means conqueror of the people, and now Jesus is about to conquer his heart. Because, see, if Jesus can conquer your heart, then he can have your life. And if he can have your life, then he can turn the world upside down. If he can have your whole being, then he can affect your community. If he can have your whole being, then he can affect the church. If he can have all of you, then he can affect your family for generations to come. You must be born again. And that Greek word for again means from above. This spiritual birth is not the turning over of a new leaf. It is a new birth resulting in a changed life, a changed heart, resulting in a surrendered life. It's not about you waking up every morning and checking off the list. So, oh, I'm a good Christian today. Oh, I'm a good follower. It's about you experiencing a change of heart that's going to transform every aspect of your life. You fast forward to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth in his second letter. Chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human or from a human point of view and how differently we know him now. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. You are a new creation. The moment you accepted Christ, the moment you were born again, there was a rebirth. You are a new creation. The old has passed away and all things are made new. A new life. That's what a spiritual rebirth is all about. Who gives this spiritual rebirth? The Spirit does. 
verse 5, going back to the story of Nicodemus, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, Nicodemus, you must be born, born again. See, back in chapter 1, John writes in his gospel. Remember, the reason John is writing is because he wants you to know that you can be changed. You can have eternal life. You can be born again. In verse 10, he writes, he came into the world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. They've been reborn, and Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, Nicodemus, you must be reborn, born again. Nicodemus is confused, doesn't understand. And it's hard when you're looking through the natural eyes to understand spiritual things. This is why when we approach the heart and the mind of God, when we approach the word of God, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, ask God to give us the mind of the Spirit so that we can understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Jesus began to talk about as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He will die. But in dying, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, in Nicodemus's world, it was if you could trace your lineage all the way back to Abraham. If you, if you kept the strictest law and you could prove your obedience by those things and, and your heart was to, was to do everything that you thought God wanted you to do as related to the law, that's what made you accepted. And then Jesus looks at him and said, Nicodemus, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who believes. For God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not to the, just to the Pharisee, including the Pharisee. Not just to the Sadducee, including the Sadducee. Not to just the Jew, but including him. To the Gentile also. To everyone who believes, they shall receive eternal life. Can you imagine this concept to Nicodemus? This man whose name meant conqueror of the people now is being conquered by the son of the living God. Allow Jesus to change your life. Which brings us to our third point. The time is now. Come to the light. Come to the light. Verse 18 Jesus said, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. 
But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. Now is the time to come to the light. Now in this context, the phrase to do what is right in verse 21 is to believe and be born again. That is to come to Christ, the light. They that believe in Christ come to the light. It's evident by their actions. It's evident by their life, by how they live. See, to come to the light is a matter of being. It's a matter of being transformed. It's a matter of your life surrendering to the life of Christ. About him conquering you. And suddenly, you have a new reason. You have a new mission. You have a new purpose. Jesus said those who do not believe have already been condemned. And the reason they're condemned is this. Because... When the light came into the world, they loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their actions were evil. At the heart of man is brokenness. We're born and shapen in iniquity. Man loves darkness more than he loves light. See, coming to Christ, being born again, is recognizing that and saying, Lord, I can't change myself. I can't transform my heart. I can't change that evilness within me, but I can have you conquer it. I can have you change me. I can have that rebirth. And Jesus, I need to be born again. And then it's a matter of being. It's a matter of doing. It's a matter of allowing his life to live through you. You see it all the way through the message of John the Baptist. As he says, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. Let your life demonstrate you've been born again. You say, well, how? By living in the light. Living and allowing Christ to conquer you. Allowing his word to transform you. See, accepting Christ is more than just intellectual assent. Many people say, oh, I'm a Christian, oh, I believe. But they still live the old life. They still live like the world. Evidence that one has been born again is that their life is surrendered to the life of Christ. And he's conquered them. And he's Leading the way. Many have asked and wondered, what happened to Nicodemus? Did he get saved at this moment? Did his life get transformed this moment? What happened? There's only two other times in Scripture where his name is mentioned. In John chapter 7 and around verse 50 or so, 
the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, have sent the, the guards, the police, if you would, to go and arrest Jesus, to go and get him. And, and when they heard Jesus speak, they saw what he did. They said, man, he speaks with such authority. And, and they said, where is he? Why didn't you bring him? He says, but the people are saying all this about him. And man, when we heard him teach, there was such authority. They said, have you also gone after him? And they're ready to condemn Jesus. They're ready to bring him in and bring conviction over him. Nicodemus stands up and says, does our law allow a man to be convicted without evidence? John identifies him as Nicodemus. They looked at him and they said, are you from Galilee too? Then the next time we see Nicodemus, his name mentioned, is at the death of Christ. Christ has become the Lamb of God. He's given his life. He's cried out, it is finished. His body is still hanging on the cross. Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and asks for the body of the Lord Jesus. And guess who was with him? Nicodemus. Nicodemus is with him. And John tells us that he has about 75 pounds of perfume ointment made from myrrh and aloes to give Jesus a proper burial. The disciples have fled. They're hiding in fear, thinking they might be the next. And there's Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man. He goes and says, can we have the body? And who was with him? Nicodemus. No longer coming at night, no longer hiding, no longer, no longer on the down low. In front of all the Jewish Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, in front of all the Roman officers, the governor, Nicodemus is there. Now, why did John say 75 pounds of ointment? It's interesting. As you study that in Jewish households, it was common to have about five pounds of ointment. So, so whenever a family member would die, you could prepare their body for burial. But 75 pounds is excess. It was, it was what was used in burying kings. It was enough for the burial of a king. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, what happened to him after the death of Christ? The scriptures do not tell us. But sources outside of the Bible, as we know, at best, they're unreliable. But there were cer stories circulating in the second and third century indicated that Nicodemus, because of his identity with Christ, lost his position as a Pharisee and was kicked off the Sanhedrin and was eventually banished outside of Jerusalem by hostile Jews. It is said his family became outcast in Jerusalem. So it led me to this thought, what cost are you willing to pay to follow Christ? 
Now is the time to declare true faith in Christ. Now is the time to demonstrate we have been born again. Now is the time not to hide our faith, but to declare our commitment to Jesus Christ, his church, and his bride. After the apostles fled, it's Nicodemus who walks up Galgotha with Joseph of Arimathea bringing balm to bury Jesus in full view of the Jewish and Roman authorities. I wonder, will you walk up that same hill and will you identify yourself with Christ? Would you say now is the time I'm going to seek him? Now is the time to be born again. Now is the time to come to the light. He's changed my life. He's transformed me. And I will not be quiet. I will not be silent. But I will declare my faith. He's Lord of all. He's King of kings. He's Lord of everything. Will you allow him to conquer your heart to conquer your life to transform you will you be known as a follower of Jesus no matter the cost no matter the consequences will you say here I am can we stand together can we worship the Lord